Welcome back to the Thrive Leadership Podcast, Brad Lominek and CJ Alvarado, always in the driver's seat and the and the uh, and the passenger seat. Not sure which one of us is driving, which one of us is in the pasture. It depends on which episode. That's what right. it, that's what it depends on, right? Right. You're always driving, bro. Or we could say who's who's flying and who's co-piloting. There you go. I'm in charge. Or, or the, is it assistant? Uh, yeah, is it the assistant pilot? What do you call that person that's sitting in the right chair in the cockpit? That's the co-pilot. Are they the Are they the co-pilot or the the assistant or the like second? We're gonna go with co-pilot, bro. We're gonna go. Okay, with <laughs> I'll, I'll go with you. But there's one person that's usually like in charge, and the other one is, you know, getting them. Get them coffee, right? Oh, well, bro, you you live too far away for me to just give you coffee, man. Yeah, so oh, that's no, that's so true. Far. There's no question. Like yeah. you and I are both, we're we're switching out of the seats. I'm just now thinking about next time I'm on a plane, I'm going to ask Johnny Rocket in the right chair. Listen, Good. are you doing anything up there while while the other guy, while the other person is is actually flying the plane, right. or are you guys like sharing? You know, are you dividing and conquering? Is a better way to say it. If it's anything like Star Wars, Chewie had a role. You know, like Hans. Hans exactly. He, he was navigating, but Chewie was he was critical to the success of the operation. No question. I would argue that Chewie was actually flying the Millennium okay. Falcon. Okay. Well. And and so was Han. So they're they're they were they were truly co-piloting. Mm. Uh, like many I, churches today. <laughs> <laughs> listen, this is the kind of stuff people are interested in, or at least I am, okay. and. I hope you're also interested in hearing from our friend, Josh Gagnon. Yeah. Because this guy, listen, you probably haven't heard his name. Some of you have, but this is a leader you need to be aware of. Uh, Next Level Church, he started Next Level several years ago as a church plant in in, uh, New Hampshire, of all places. There's not a lot of people going up to the Northeast to plant churches. And his story is one that we'll get into in the interview a bit. Uh, but Next Level Church has now been recognized as not only one of the fastest growing, but also the largest churches in the Northeast. Now they've got a couple of locations in Florida. They are, uh, you know, they're they're multi-site. They're they're growing. They've got a lot of momentum. Josh has written a book called "It's Not Over," which came out in February earlier this year, and so we wanted to have him on to talk about the book, but also just share some of his insights yeah. from the last several years, because, you know, many of us, we've, you know, you, those of you listening, you've launched churches, you're, you're still church planting, you're still in the early stages. And so there's a lot of learn, lot, lot for us to learn from Josh. There is. And like, you know, there, there are a lot of leaders, pastors in particular, I'm thinking about who, uh, as it, as it pertains to, uh, the issue of disappointment, which he tackles quite a bit in this book, I think. Right. Uh, you know, they, they maybe feel like their plans for 2020 have just gone out the window. So I think there's a large group of people probably listening to this to go, we've had to just, you know, totally rethink, reimagine, re-envision what the future of our organization looks like. And that can be really daunting for, for folks. And then there's this other side who probably feel like, man, the things we imagined, we've, we've hit those milestones and they find themselves in an odd situation as well, which most people don't really talk about, but that's, they don't have fresh vision for where they need to go. You know, and a lot of leaders will doubt themselves. They question whether they're the folks to continue leading into the future. 
so his his topic on how to reimagine or how to vis- how to create vision again, I think is incredibly timely, no matter where you sit. Yeah, the subtitle of the book is "Leaving Behind Disappointment and Learning to Dream Again." Mm. How timely can that could that possibly possibly be for where we find ourselves in uh, you know the latter stages of twenty twenty? Wow, love it, man! Let's get into it. Here we go, Joshua Gagnon the uh, lead pastor of Next Level Church, talking about It's Not Over, among other topics. We're, we're, talking, we're, talking, uh, we're talking golf here with Joshua Gagnon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this about. is what the people want to hear about. Is uh, you, I hit the record button, and just before we re- started recording, you and I were talking about our golf games, which... You know, I brought up that I shot a 75 on a really nice course, and then you just threw out that you shot 68 last week. Yeah, I was on a mini golf course. <laughs> so here's the question. In light of COVID, in light of, you know, where we sit today, I mean, is this what pastors are doing? They're just, they're just out playing golf like three times a week? Um, I would have to say I have played some golf in this season. <laughs> I, I actually, I get up early, and I go out, and I have a 6.50 tee time. Okay. And I and I walk. I get done by about nine fifty. Takes me three hours to get in eighteen, because there's nobody out at that time. You can walk it quick. Right. I get six miles of walking in, eighteen holes, and I'm at the office by about ten thirty. So you're you're doubling your uh, efficiencies. You're getting your exercise and you're enjoying something you like to do. Yeah, and I I, I do enjoy golf. My kids are really good at golf. I got a a thirteen year old and a twelve year old, and they're shooting in the eighties already from the men's tees, and so. They're, uh, they're, they, they love golf. And so it's, it's such, it's, it's a cool blessing to have your sons loving what it is you love to do. You know what I mean? And, uh, what's the best part of your game? Are you, I mean, are you a long ball driver? Are you a short game guy? Yeah, I would say my weakest part of my game is my long irons. Okay. But I can drive the ball about 320 Ooh. right in that range. And, but uh, around the greens, I'm telling you, Lominick, give me a 60 loft. Let me flop that ball nice and tight. Like put, around the greens, I'm, I'm feeling very confident. So you got you got a good short game. You're you got good hands. Yeah. Uh, I, you're able to spit. You're able to hit it high, loft it yeah. in there. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that that's but but if I'm sitting out two fifteen from the pin, I take out my five iron and I'm I'm not feeling super confident. My five, my four. I'm not feeling super confident. I can get it around the around the green, but but uh, yeah, I would say they call me the the save king. Save king, <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I don't know anybody unless you're a professional that that likes a two fifteen shot with a five iron. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know anybody that, that that says I'll sign up for that one. <laughs> yeah, me neither. So uh, we're we're talking about your new book. It's not over, which is uh is all about dreams mm. and i gotta ask you since we're talking about golf and sports and i mean was this one of your dreams growing up or were you, were you thinking about at some point i want to i want to be able to play competitively yeah i played basketball uh throughout high school and in college and i wanted to I played a little bit of, of professional basketball in canada and so i wanted to play basketball but i woke up one day around 22 and realized i was five foot nine and I uh, should probably trade in trade in that dream for for a new one. But athletics has always been a big thing to me. Um, kind of carry that competitive 
spirit into the entrepreneurial world, uh, starting different businesses. And then by God's grace, we were able to start a church. And so I kind of, I've always kind of had that fire, that competitive fire, that type A go after it. And I'll tell you, it's funny just talking about that, just kind of spitballing with you. That's been kind of one of the things I've had to learn most in leadership, you being the leadership guru. I've had to learn, you can't, you can't take the locker room attitude into a staff meeting inside of a ministry room. And so mm-hmm. early on in ministry, I had to be like, okay, you've got to kind of change the way you're you're uh, handling yourself. Your, your heart is all right, but the way you're uh, the way you're handling yourself is more like a locker room rather than a a, a meeting room. Well, I think one of the things that I know mm-hmm. about you, and I think your staff would say about you, and those who've been part of Next Level, is that they love your your entrepreneurial spirit, which in many ways is that intersection of, you know, the, the taking sort of the, the spirit of, of proper ambition and hustle and saying, you know, let's combine that with ministry and caring about people and build, building something, you know, that, cause that's really your sweet spot is your ability to, to build. Yeah. That's why this COVID has been so difficult. You're not building was, anything, man. Are you? I was telling, I actually, it took me until last week. I was actually sitting down. I was just meditating and thinking. And I was asking myself, like, why? Because I kept just chalking it up to, like, it's lack, there's a lack of vision in this season. There's a lack of, of knowing what to do. There's a lack of where are we heading? You know, we've got two construction buildings. You know, buildings we're opening that we're finishing construction on that we can't physically open. But we still have to pay for them. You know, all these dreams that we've had, all these plans that we've had. And. And I just I kept like chalking it up to all those different types of thoughts. And then finally, I just unpacked it the, the last week to my wife. I said, honey, I figured it out. I'm a builder. At the end of the day, I've never been that good at maintaining. And, and I'm not even that good. If I'm just keeping it 100, I'm not even that good at nourishing. I'm not even that good at like caring for what it is I build. Now, by God's grace, I have enough wisdom to surround myself with really good care, care caretakers that really do care for it well. But I... I mean, one of the reasons you have 10 locations in 10 years is because you like building and starting. And thankfully, I surrounded myself with people that could care for what it was I was building because personality wise, if I'm if I'm not if I'm not careful, I could just like build, 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 go, go, go. And even if some of them collapsed, I kind of brush it off, expecting the next thing I build to do even to just do better. And so I told my wife, I was like, that's it, honey, like. I haven't been able to build in this season. And it's not even that I can't build in this season. It's I don't see when I can build again. And that scares that scares me. Like that's really hard for me to wake up every day and not have a a sight, a vision, a mm. passion, like an end go, like an end to this. It's been super hard for me because because right now all we really can do is care for what it is we've already built. And if God's teaching me anything, it's teaching me how to do that because my personality is like, okay, you guys care for that. I'm going to go build something else that you guys can care for again. You know what I mean? Do you think that's why there's so much anxiety and and depression, we could call it right now, is you have so many so many leaders, especially that are used to building something and now they're, they, they feel stuck? Yeah. I mean, I've been struggling. I, I never knew what depression was. And I'm, I'm, I'm even careful to say I've been struggling with depression because I do think some people deal with it on a level that I, you know, they'd laugh at me if I, if, if, if what I called me dealing with was depression, they'd say like, you don't even know what depression is because of what it looks like for them. So I say it gently, but for what, like your deepest pain is only your deepest pain. It's all, you know, I would say from what I know, I've struggled with depression in this season, you know, um, just a lack of purpose. 
And I always found my purpose in what I was building. And people could push back, like, you should find your purpose in Jesus. And 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 yes, I found my purpose often when I was building for Jesus, right? Or like yeah. what I was putting my hands to for him. And so yeah, it's been a tough it's been a tough season. And every every leader I've talked to, I mean, we get calls every week of people saying, Hey, listen, we can't make it. Are you thinking about taking over any more churches? And we're like, listen, we can't take over. Like, this isn't a season we're trying to birth or or, or adopt adopt right now. We just can't, you know. And so I think just the ministry world is dealing with something we have never had to deal with. And leaders inside of that world are dealing with emotions they often were able to hide. Um, I was often able to hide the insufficiencies in my character based on the the performance or even just the busyness. You know, the busyness allowed me to be blinded to some of my weak spots. And um, I never realized until this season just um, – how I was so focused on the future and not not necessarily passionate about taking care of what was present. Hmm. And uh, so that's something in this season that I think I'm learning and I've learned to do. And so I think in the next season, if this ever ends, we'll be able to go back. We'll be able to be a little bit more healthy. So uh, I want to get into some of the practical pieces of the book. Again, the book is It's Not Over, which came out in February, right before <laughs> COVID. So congratulations on your timing. With, yeah, my with publisher your... laughs about that all the time. A week before, a week before COVID hit, this hit, which I think it would be good right now to release it because well, now people are looking for like that hope. Absolutely, it's to that storm. The president's on every single week, every single day, talking to the like nobody cared about books. No, in the grand scheme of things, the case study at some business school will be anything that launched, you know, in February or March of 2020. Uh, worst timing ever. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, there are so many people, so many leaders and, and just people in general right now that are struggling with, there's something in my heart and in my soul that I felt like I was supposed to birth or give work to, give effort to this year, but now it's on hold. So what, what's your advice to, I mean, you know, yeah. what's the practical thing that leaders should do if they feel themselves saying, yes, that's me, I, I am... I'm stuck right now between, you know, the reality of the present compared to the, this vision of where I want to get to. Yeah, there's so many, you know, you think of church planters, people that were planning to launch churches. My heart breaks for that. Like, I yeah. think about it weekly because I'll hear from them. And man, my heart breaks for like these church planters that were planning to launch in the fall. Or, and it's like, man, is that difficult? And, and churches opening locations, just ministry leaders. You know, one of the things that I'm trying to teach myself and this is something our our friend um, uh, Gordon McDonald, somebody that I know that you're familiar with, somebody that I'm very close with. Um, he taught me this years ago, but I, I've had to really hold on to it today. Just this whole idea of open hands. You know, when it comes to when it comes to our vision, when it comes to our future as leaders, especially in ministry, we're supposed to hold on to those with open hands. We're supposed to um, trust that God um, can can fulfill what he's called us to to do in and through us no matter what the season and so for me what i've had to continuously do in this season because i mean i get anxious i'll just find myself just feeling so anxious and it's not really fear over losing everything it's the fear of not gaining anything more of doing anything greater it's the fear of feeling idle at times like i get so anxious like man what am i gonna and what i've had to learn is is we find ourselves living in disappointment when we have 
expectations that have gone unsurrendered. And so I've had to continuously surrender my expectations and surrender continuously surrender it back to God. And then just being faithful with the season that God's placed us in. You know, what can I do in this season that I wouldn't have been able to do in another season? I might not be building the ministry that I I had seen in this season, but I can build other things in this season that will allow me to have a healthier ministry in the seasons to come. And so, you know, for me, like this morning, you know, it's the walks on the golf course. It's the time with God. It's, it's, it's even, it's even sermon preparation looks a lot different for me now. Um, It's, it's my marriage, you know, Jennifer and I, it's the time I've had with my kids in this season. There's a lot of things that have have benefited, and I'm hoping that it'll lead to greater seasons in the future when it comes to this whole thing passing. Um, you know, the reality is, is discouragement is a real thing. How do you not feel discouraged when you've poured your heart and soul into something that right now seems to not be moving forward yeah. or may not be launching? That's going to be a reality that we have to struggle, that we have to deal with. You know, a dream delayed, it makes the heart sick. You know, it's 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 a sickness in our heart. The Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about it, and 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 it's something that we have to bring to God. It's something that we have to live through. But I try not to simplify it. You know, the reality is, is it sucks. The reality is, this is a tough season. However, in this season, we can learn to surrender to God, which will be a characteristic in our relationship with God that will benefit the seasons to come. And so, you know, that's something that I'm yeah. I'm kind of kicking around in my own soul. It's good. By the way, I want to chase that rabbit trail of what are you preaching on right now? There, there's lots of pastors listening to this. What what are you what are you sensing yeah. that your your people are wanting to hear or that God's yeah. speaking to you that you're you're yeah, this, downloading? Yeah, this past uh, weekend, I um, I took the month of so every year I take the month of um, August off from speaking. Um, just to usually I use it as a a time of year where I just get alone and uh, I don't put anything out. I try to take everything in so that I can be prepared for myself. And so I wasn't going to do that in this season. I was like, well, it's kind of a weird season, but I decided I still needed to still needed to stay with the rhythms that we've always built. Even though this season is different, yeah. stick with the rhythms that you know. And I didn't want to take myself out of rhythm based, based, because we were in a different type of season. So this was my first weekend as we're recording this last week was my first weekend back. And I, I decided I wanted to talk just 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 about clarity in the midst of confusion and i just had a heart to heart with next level church and i'm talking i went into this whole conversation of things i've learned about myself during covid i'll throw out just a couple i i, I talked about how busyness is blinding control is comforting i talked about how i'm just a control freak and i've had to realize in this season that i have been um, I've been building through God's grace his kingdom with him. However, I've been trying to control his kingdom with or without him. Mm. And I had to talk about how I'm, I'm a control freak. I talked about how community is critical. And so for a, uh, an introvert like myself, I was just saying, listen, I'm just going to be honest. I'm all about hugging right now. I'm all about community. <laughs> I, I want to ask your forgiveness. I hide from you in the lobby. Right. I'm sorry. Community is critical, so please don't learn from my the way that that, that I've avoided it. Um, and then the last thing I said this weekend, just talking about it, because I think this will help some some of some of the leaders. I talked about how faith is foundational, and I just got super authentic. And I said, guys, I want you to know, I've questioned my calling in this season. I've actually prayed about walking away from everything in this season and going and doing something else. I've 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 actually in this season. Just ask myself, do I even do I even believe this whole Jesus thing? 
And I just talked to Next Level about that. I said, do I even believe this? Is this just something over the last 12 years I get up and I preach every weekend and it's just what I do? Because I told them if there's ever been a time to walk away, it's right now. It's right now. I could I could walk away from this thing. And, and that's just kind of how I've been. I've been in that season. These last couple of months, I've just been asking myself, like, what am I even doing? Do I even believe what it is I'm, I'm preaching? Is this truly – and through all of that, by God's grace, I've come to a greater faith and a greater understanding. And, like, there was a day I found I found so much – the busyness of what I do allowed me to just, to just um, claim a certain faith and walk a certain way and everybody I hung with hung out with thought this certain way but now I've been isolated in a way where I had to look in the mirror and say what at 40 now because I was, like that's a big deal for me welcome I started this at 28 yeah so well, what welcome do to the I 40s club yeah like, yeah like what do I do now do I live here for, like is this it like am I it is almost like a time where I chose to either double down and I'm just keeping it 100 Brad like I was willing to walk away from faith and everything I'm just keeping it real because I didn't want to I was like here we are what is it going to be from this point forward because I can leave it all right now I could leave it all I by God's grace have other incomes other than church I could walk away from it and uh man I'll tell you what by and I mean this with all the, all sincerity in my heart by God's grace he it wasn't easy because there were times that I didn't feel his presence. But through that little journey, I've come to a place where I care less about what people think about me than ever before. I love God more than ever before. It's more simple in my mind, theology. It's more simple in my mind than ever before. Mm. It's really about love God, love others more than ever before. It's really about disciples more than ever before. Um, it can get so cluttered in the mind of ministry when you're chasing so many different things and so many different angles and so many different influences from every other angle. And you're young and you're trying to make it and you see success as an idol. All that stuff clutters your soul. And I think if anything, COVID gave us a chance to unclutter and just ask ourselves, who the heck are we and what do we believe? And I, so that's what I talked to Next Level about this past weekend. Man, that's good. Is that that's available on the uh, on the podcast, right? If anybody yeah. wants to listen to yeah. that sermon, they can get it on the next yeah. level next level church podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, I didn't ask this earlier, but take us back, you know, two years ago or whenever it was when you first started thinking about your first book, which I, I know that story and that journey pretty yeah. well. Uh, but what is what in, what was the inspiration for for it's not over? You know what. What were you feeling or, yeah. or hoping that would be accomplished because of the of the book being written? Well, a, year, a few years ago, probably be maybe four or five years ago, we'll go a little bit further back. You'll remember this. Um, when we were – I always – I was never going to be a writer. Like I wasn't the kid in English class. I was the jock. Like no no teacher ever was like, Josh Gagnon's going to write a book. I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to be that false – you know, I'm not trying right. to be that false humble guy right now. Yeah. But I'm being sincerely honest. This is not false humility. I was not that guy. And so like writing a book was never a dream of mine as like a teenager. It wasn't like someday I'm there. However, when I – writing messages every weekend well at first i stole craig rochelle's messages every weekend when i started the church and made them my own and um and then i started writing my own thankfully because i learned how to i never never went to bible school so i learned how to write a message through stealing his and just that type of thinking and um i started writing my own content and then i realized one hour after i released this content on the weekend nobody cares about it forever again and then i'm a loser if i preach it in the next within the next year you can if you wait 12 months you can get away with it that's <laughs> but, the grace period yeah 
Yeah, yeah, let's be honest. You just you're like, you know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, give me a like, get, get real. So you wait long enough, you can kind of pick apart and take good parts of it and get it out there again. So the thought behind my, me writing a book was I do have some passions and I, I think I I was putting together some decent content and now I could just put it down on paper for it to outlive a Sunday morning conversation. So if you remember um, years ago, an agent reached out to me and um asked me to write if I had thought about writing a book. And so from that point forward, we put together book proposals on and on. And every single publisher was like, no way, no way, not New England. We don't sell books in that region, not going to happen. And I was hunting. I'll never forget it. I was in my stand and I was super excited because I thought God had opened the door for me to write a book. And I'm sitting in my hunting stand and uh, I get the email like yesterday. I can remember it. It was from the agent. And it literally it was so short, which is kind of it's so weird, but it was so short. It said all the leads have dried up. There's nowhere else to go. Um, and so I remember getting super cold. So I went inside and I always get in the shower in the fall in New England after I hunt because I'm so cold. And I got in this hot shower and I remember I just cried in the shower. And I was so upset at God. I was like, God, I, and you know me, I don't chase down opportunities. I was like, God, I never even reached out to this agent. He reached out. I thought this was you. Like, what are you? I was so broken. And I didn't tell my wife. Uh, I didn't want her to think I was a failure because she was so excited. She's like, oh, my goodness. And now I have to go to her and be like, honey, I'm not good enough. You know, and so it's just this mess inside of me. And then you get Alex Field, a friend of ours who's an agent, you tell him, listen, have you met Josh Gagnon? He's a great guy. And you lied about me saying all these good things. And so he so he goes ahead and he emails me. He emails me and I get the email. He's like, hey, Brad Lominick said great things about you. And I looked you up and I was listening to your messages. You got great content. Have you thought about writing a book? Hmm. And I remember looking at that email and I didn't reply for a year. I did not reply to Alex for a year because I – I literally was so scared of facing that rejection again. And a year later, I it was almost to the day, a year later, I emailed him back. I said, man, I can't put this fire out because at this point it was a God thing in my heart. I can't put this fire out. And uh, he's like, all right, let's do this. And uh, and we did. We got six of the largest publishers made offers for, for the book. It's not over. And one of the things I love to tell leaders when it comes to this is, is it for me, it was it was almost like, the time where David was in the shepherd's field uh, and it, it taught me a lesson. And I really believe this. It's like, there's so many things that preachers say, and it's like something you learn to say that you thought was clever, but you're not quite sure you even really believe it. Mm-hmm. Like what I'm about to say, I now really believe, really do believe this. God was doing more in me than he was doing through me in that season. So that someday he could do more through me than I could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that with everything in me, it was like David fighting off the lion and the bear. It's like I had to fight the lion and the bear so that I gained confidence in overcoming Goliath. Like there's something that happens in the shepherd's field that feels insignificant. It feels wasteful. It feels pointless, but God can use that shepherd's field to catapult us from the the shepherd's field to a palace. And so for me, I think even COVID, diligent in this season, if you're not lazy in this season, if you're making sure you're, you're, if you're in your team in this season, even when it's like I don't talk about something like uh what you did last week, you know? It's it's however, how I handle this season could do more in me than certainly I hope God's doing more in me than he's doing through me right now, because he's not doing much through me. Let's keep it real. So 
if he does more in me than he does through me, maybe in this season it'll be a catapult or a catalyst, you know about that word, into what what we do into the future. No, that's good. That's good. Thanks for hooking me up with that. Listen, I'm – oh, I lost you for a second. You still there? Thanks for hooking me up with Alex. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. You still Did you there? Just say this is your book. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You. Okay. Lost, you, lost for you for a second. second. No, I, I love that. You and can say this is your book. I just wrote it. Listen, I, I am happy to, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be a, uh, a bag carrier for both you mm-hmm. and Alex. You're a bag carrier for a lot more than that. You're, you're a blessing to a lot of people. Well, part of my job is to, uh, is, is to, is to make the connections that I think will help fuel great things happening. And that, that was another question I wanted to ask you. Uh, um, like if somebody's struggling with their dream or if they're, you know, in this place of disappointment or even, you know, uh, maybe, maybe even getting close to depression, anxiety, but they're wrestling with this, this sense of, is it really over? Or, you know, what, what's in me? Is it ever going to be able to, come out of me. Um, what, what, what would you recommend those of us who are leaders that are friends of theirs should say or do it? Is there helpful things that you would suggest that if we know of that person, we could think of them right now? Oh yeah. I know that, you know, so-and-so is, is navigating the season of, of, of real disappointment. What, what are the things we should, we should do for them? Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask is a great question because I think I think we can be that 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 person in every in someone's life that helps them continue to move forward into their God-sized dream. You know, for me, reminding that person about who they truly are, reminding that person of the gifts that they have. So one of the things that that happened in the season I talked to you about is I told my wife, I'm like, I don't think I'm, I don't know if I'm going to pastor anymore. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm going to really figure this out. Like I'm, I'm willing to walk away. One of the things she said is, is she looked at me a a couple days later and she said, I just want you to know that you're my favorite preacher Mm. and it's not because you're my husband. And, uh, I can remember hearing her say that. And I said, you're just saying that. She said, no, Joshua, you are so gifted when you, you are so, you have a way of communicating Jesus that, that gets it through to ordinary people. And I remember her her speaking that out in me and and I'll be honest with you I was like yeah I think that is a gift like when I started looking back at it I was like yeah no I did do that have I have done that cuz you can start to lose like our spiritual enemy can convince us that we're just that 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 we're on the wrong path or that there's nothing in our future and I think so one of the things we can do is we can speak to the gifts that we know are in the lives of those we love in a season where it doesn't feel like our gifts are being activated or used having people in your life like even for me to look at you right now and say hey listen I know in this season consulting it's pretty crazy season for consulting but you have been a, such a catalyst to so many leaders like myself like don't ever question your gift in your god-given God-given calling and just your unique glue inside yeah. of the kingdom. And because like you're looking at, at someone right now who I wrote a book because of your friendship and because of your giftedness and because of your networking ability in God's kingdom. And so it's just speaking that truth that that person has lived out for years 
in a season where it doesn't feel like that's being lived out, it's good to remind each other what we do see in each other, what we have been called to do. I think all of us could use friends in our lives reminding us of what it is we are gifted at in a season where it feels like those gifts aren't being used. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Do you do you have a um, do you have uh, some practical things we should do to overcome resistance? I mean, I mean, again, we're we're all in a in a season of resistance right now with with just where we sit in September of 2020. Um, yeah. But are, are there some things you would say? Here's here's a couple of steps to take to you know just in general that can help you overcome barriers to live that out. Yeah, I think for me, gratitude is is a practical step that I've been taking. So today, I was walking and I and I I literally I literally thanked God for what it was that He's given me because I do think gratitude sustains joy, mm-hmm. and I do think that gratitude can sustain vision, right? So I thanked God for because I was I was struggling today because um, our entire team is over finishing a construction facility, um, like putting up some decorations and getting a building that we had built ready for launch. But here's the thing: we can't launch it, and so I was walking today thinking about how our whole staff's over there, and I was I was looking back at the days we used to have where we would be in there would all be the music would be going right paint like finishing touch-ups like so excited and like can't wait to launch this thing and i don't even know when we're gonna ever launch this building Mm. and here it is all finished and ready in this community and i don't even know when we can launch it so i was just walking and kind of discouraged i was just discouraged i was i was thinking back and then i started think i just said listen god thank you that you've provided in this season thank you that you have a plan, even though I can't see it. So I think gratitude and seasons of resistance. And then I think surrounding ourselves with people, like you said, practically surrounding ourselves. I, I talk I talk about different relationships in the book. I talk about four different types of people. I talk about how there's zombies, there's vampires, there's sidekicks, and there's heroes. And so the zombies um, in our life are are, are people who, who just bring death. They're people who are trying to pull us away from God's plan. They're people who are winking at us at the office and they shouldn't be winking because we're married and they're, you know, like, and then I talk about vampires are people who kind of suck the life out of us. Th- those are people I would practically say to stay away from in this season. Those are people that they're not bad meaning people. Like they're not mean people. It's just you're at the table with them and they always say something like maybe this is never going to end and maybe you should find a new career because this, you're probably going to go broke. Mm. It's just they're not trying to do but they're just sucking the life out of you. And then I talk about sidekicks. And so for me, it's it's surrounding ourselves with sidekicks. Sidekicks are those people in our life that, that are sweating alongside of our dream. So we let them speak into our dream. I say never let someone speak into your dream unless they're willing to sweat alongside of it. And so sidekicks sidekicks are those people who we do need in our life practically in this season, speaking life into us, speaking hope into us, and not only being yes men or yes women, but sidekicks are people who are like, hey, bro, I think think you've got that wrong. I think you need to back up. I think you need to rethink that. And then we need heroes in our life. And heroes are people that are living the life today that we hope to someday live. And so we talk about that in the book. Um, You know, one of the things that that I think is wise, and I just I love to say this when it comes to any leader right now that's living in the haze of resistance. I thought back to a time where me and my family we live um, in on the East Coast, and Mount Washington is the highest mountain on the East Coast. It's in New Hampshire White Mountains, and I took my kids to the top um, last year, and we took a train to the top. You shouldn't. Like you should like, can you imagine you can take a train to the top? You feel so guilty when you get there, everybody's <laughs> right. sweating. 
yeah. they're all sweating, their clothes are ripped, and you're up there in a suit. But <laughs> like, we take the train to the top of the mountain, and it's that that mountain spends more days in the clouds than it does in in the sun, you know. And so it was super cloudy, couldn't see a thing. And uh, we embarrassingly went over to the summit to take a picture. You know what's sad is the hikers; they wait in line. In like, in here we are taking up. You know what I mean? It just right. feels wrong. Yeah, it feels it's like taking a picture with a deer that you didn't have any part of <laughs> right. harvesting. Yeah, you know, it's it's and so we take this picture, we get it, and we're in the clouds, and the kids are like never saw the view. And at the last minute before we're getting on the train, there's this there's this break in the clouds. And it's just for a minute we could see the view. We were like, oh my gosh, look at! And the kids were like, oh dad, oh my goodness! And then the clouds came back. And I thought about that this past week because I realized that one moment in the sun was all we needed to see vision in the midst of clouds. And so I would tell any leader in the midst of resistance, look back and think back and focus on the cloud breaks. So focus on God's faithfulness. Focus on the times where you thought it was going to be over, but God showed up and did what only he could do. Focus on the vision that God has placed in your life, even though it's hazy right now and you can't see how it's going to happen. Continue to focus on the things you saw in the moments of clarity, even in the seasons of confusion right now. It's something that that God kind of showed me this week. And so what I've been doing in the moments of resistance is I've been saying, no, we've been here before, but 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 no, I can see what it looks like I can see the truth, even though I'm surrounded by haze. Very good. Good stuff, man. I, I think we end there. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a great place to stop. You want to go play some golf? I, I'm in. I mean, where, where are we going? If, you, if, if, you've got a, if you've got a course and your, your ideal foursome, the, the course you, you haven't played and your ideal foursome, what is it? Pebble Beach. Okay. Oh, we're talking like a dream foursome? A dream foursome, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dream, I mean, truly, if you could invite anybody. Mm. I would say dream foursome. Steph Curry. Okay. Of course, Tiger Woods. How yeah, you, you, you got to put Tiger in there, yeah. Yeah, Steph Curry, Tiger Woods, and one, I like Phil, I'm going to be honest. I, All right. I, I, might not sound, I might not sound so like extravagant or like uh, i like phil i do i just love i love phil i love phil mickerson i've met him i've talked to him a little bit he's uh just a real deal lefty how about you well um first of all we got to get thought about that before that's a fun question first of all we got to get the pebble beach thing figured out because uh you invite me every single year i know (laughs) and you always say no and and this is this is your dream course i mean come on it's not over like I'm, I'm gonna, doing it. I'm gonna make this happen for you. 2021. 2021. 2021. Oh, Deal. I, I mean, I'm going Augusta. No. I, what do you mean? You, what? Oh, you're not playing it. No, I'm saying I, if if Dream Course that I haven't played uh, would be Augusta National, and you don't have a connection yet there. I've got connections to tickets, but those tickets have not turned into <laughs> a invite to play, which. You don't, you don't, you don't push it with Augusta. Yeah. You know, it's one of those, you. You, you don't ask. Uh, and my, my other three, I would probably, I mean, I'm going to put Nicholas in there just cause that yeah. was, the, you know, the hero growing up. Um, yeah. I, I think I'm going to, I, here's, here's a, here's a side, uh, this curveball, but I'm going to put Charles Barkley in there. Cause I just want to, that would be fun. I just want to hang out with Chuck and I want to, I don't want to see a swing, but he's going to make me look good. So, because yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the, I'm going to at least be the second best or the, the second worst golfer. That's strategic. I right? like that. 
And then my my third would probably be, I mean, I'm with you. I, I, Tiger and Jack together, arguably the two greatest Oof. golfers ever. You know, that's 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 a pretty good pretty good threesome, along with yours truly here. So I'll go with. Who's that. your favorite now? Who's your favorite now? When you're watching, you're looking forward to seeing this this person play. Uh, that's a good question. I, I I have a lot of I have a lot of golfers that I enjoy watching because I'm just I'm a big fan of golf. I mean, I watch yeah, me I watch a lot of golf. Um, I would probably say the, the, the one that I feel like currently as of like September of 2020 that I love watching is Justin Thomas. Mm. And, uh, I don't know what it is, you know, it might change uh, six months from now, but I just, I like the way he carries himself. I, I like his competitiveness. I, I, I think he's, you know, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He, I did, so he he would be the one that that raises. Is he an H? Is he an H three leader? Uh, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, I I think he definitely has. Uh, I think he definitely has the hungry and hustle, and it seems like he has the humble. But I'm it not does. sure. The, the the humble is always the one that's hardest to figure out. It's true on the surface. You know, you you can fake that one a little bit a little bit more than the other two. So absolutely. Uh, well, you're the best, man. Thanks for cool. Thanks for jumping on and making this happen. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you, Josh. That's fun. It's fun to it's fun to f- get to interview people that are also friends. Yeah. And I, I think I met Josh. Carrie Newhoff actually introduced us at a uh, I think at an Orange conference, probably seven or eight years ago. And Josh was speaking. He was doing. He was Carrie was hosting a senior pastor breakout track and uh, Josh was speaking and I, I just came in the back and sit and listened to him and I was taking notes furiously. He really? was doing a talk and I didn't know who he was, but I was, I thought this guy is a leadership guru and I'm taking notes. And then, uh, you know, we, we connected that later after the session and stayed in touch. And so I just, I love the work he's doing. I love their, their team, you know, their, as somebody who who talks about H three, like the humble, hungry hustle, yeah, Josh is one of those leaders that I feel like embodies that principle. Mm. So if you're if you're interested in in more about Josh, uh, you can find him on the web joshuagagnon.com. dot com. So that's Joshua and then G A G N O N dot com. He's also excuse me. He's also got a podcast that is a great listen, the Josh Gagnon Leadership Podcast. So look that up and uh, subscribe to that podcast because you'll you'll get a lot out of that. And thanks again to Josh for joining us. And go ahead and go grab the book. It's not over. Wherever books are sold. Yeah, and while you're listening to podcasts, be sure to you know check out the Ray Johnston Leadership Podcast as well as the Thrive Women's Leadership Podcast. Both of those are uh, brand new endeavors here at the Thrive uh, Leadership Conference, and so subscribe and review those for us. Uh, we greatly appreciate those. That what, what, well. CJ, by the way, uh, you know, you're in the know you're, you're in the inner circle okay. of the thrive and Bayside, uh, empire. Okay. <laughs> right. You're, you're sitting at the, ta- at the table, the round table, the council of 12 or whatever it is. What, what other podcasts might be on the horizon? Any, is there anything coming that we need to know about that you could tease? I'll tell you this much content is, has become a, a, large conversation, very important conversation in both of those organizations. So 
so yeah, there's a there's quite a bit. There's some phenomenal. It's starting as a as a YouTube kind of webisode uh, series yep. uh, called Finding Good, and it essentially uh, answers this question that you know Andrew had started. Pastor Andrew, where he's talking about there's a lot of you know hate out there. There's a lot of just negative comments and criticism. Is there any good still happening out there? And so he takes this very Anthony Bourdain like. Uh, approach right. where he goes and travels to different places to talk to some different people, folks like Bob Goff, uh, folks like uh, I think he he meets with uh, Chad Veach and others to have this discussion about uh, good in a in a time doing good in a time uh, such as the one we're living in. That's going to be turned into a podcast. It's starting as a YouTube series, so you might want to check that out. Finding good on YouTube, and then uh, yeah, there's a lot of just content in the works like that. Uh, so yeah, it's a lot of good stuff. By the way, speaking of YouTube, uh, is there a channel for, for thrive on, on the old YouTubes? <laughs> there is a channel for thrive. Check that out. The, uh, the episode that I'm, or the series I'm talking about, uh, will be on the thrive channel, probably like syndicated there, but it, it's hosting first on Bayside Church's YouTube channel. So you can check that out on the Bayside Church channel on YouTube. And just search Bayside Church or Thrive Conference and Yep. You'll 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 find either one of those. Yep. Uh and we always want you to subscribe, rate and review. So if you're uh, if you're listening wherever whatever device you're listening on or whatever app you're using, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We'd love to uh we'd love for this to be downloaded into your to your podcast inbox. Right. On a regular basis. And give us a rate, give us a review. We got a lot of new episodes coming out, a lot of new voices and we're excited about uh Many more episodes coming to you, but I think that's it for this one. So again, thanks to Josh Gagnon from Next Level Church. Check out all he's doing. And uh, behalf of CJ and myself, we want you to stay healthy and have a thriving church. So continue to join in with us. Uh, use this podcast as a great tool for learning. Tap into all of the Thrive resources that are out there, thriveconference.org. And we will talk to you again on the next episode. 